All right, so we are back with our last episode on our freelance course, and we are so excited because not only do we have a fellow senior designer, uh, a fellow podcaster himself, but someone who is launching right into freelance big time right now at the same time. So everybody, welcome Ryan Wheaton. Ryan, welcome to the (laughs) course show, whatever we want to call it. How you doing? What's up? Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited to to jump on and... uh talk about all the stuff he has got going on with your freelance course. This is pretty rad. So Cool, man. And this is so good because the three of us kind of all know each other and like uh, and kind of follow each other's work. And both Ryan and Jordan are from Fort Portland. Uh, right. So, yeah, man, this is going to be a fun little show. Um, can't wait to dive into it. So you got some questions for us like we usually do with the end of our course. And we're excited to hear we have not heard <laughs> any of these so jordan and i are a little scared but also too Watch i think out. i think this gives us the best uh i think a, a much truer candid answer yeah. don't you think well and i also yeah. think we should talk about like you know i think ryan's a good candidate for this sort of q and a whereas the last one we had a new designer but ryan you're coming yes. from like the, sort of the world of agency into freelance and so you're kind of touching on both worlds so i think you'll have a really good perspective and we can all kind of talk about you know our own sort of journey into this as well exactly why don't you if you want just give a brief kind of bio on what you're doing now your your podcast and your and your blog whatever you want to kind of tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself yeah absolutely so yeah cool thanks for having me on like i'm super stoked and i think as you mentioned jordan uh i think this is like a pretty unique um you know i'm in a unique situation i gotta think to a certain point in that that, yeah, I've been a professional designer for 15 years, um, but I'm just now starting to get more into the world of freelance uh, as, like, my nice. full-time thing. Yeah. Um, so my background is, like, uh, I started designing for a manufacturing company as, like, an in-house designer. Uh, and then from there, I went on to do uh, vehicle wraps and, like, large format printing, which was a pretty cool background to have. Uh, totally. For for these days, yeah, it's useful useful to have that, that knowledge. Um, and then... Uh, and then I spent 10 years at a, at a marketing agency where I was a creative director for like the last like six years. And um, so during that time, I kind of got to a point where, uh, well, I was also a, like lead designer and co-founder for a number of startups through that same agency. Yeah. And um, so that was cool because it got me a lot of different experience. Um, but I kind of, in the whole kind of like tech world, uh, doing like UX and like application design, I kind of figured that I was just like really not going down the path of like what I wanted to do. Um, sure. Yeah. I've been an avid craft beer fan for forever. Um, and Good man. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I got to the point where I was just like, man, like I need to kind of get back to my roots of doing just more like traditional branding and like print design. Um, and so then I started doing a lot more freelance work uh, and decided to kind of like hone in on a niche, which is craft beer. Sure. So I mean, Portland's um, the right place for that too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So from that point, like, uh, I just started working with, uh, I got some brewery clients, um, just kept at it and was doing like a uh, freelance on the side, uh, and just kept going at it. And, um, just started developing my portfolio and kind of, uh, my expertise in the niche of, of craft beer. Um, and then, 
uh, a little over a year ago, uh, created a podcast called Branding Brews. Um, and so it's a podcast like covering all aspects of branding um, a brewery or beer. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Nick Nick Longo's been on the show a little bit, so that's been awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think cool, uh, man. I think my background I think is gonna be pretty good for this. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited for this. All right, what's uh, where do you want to start? Well, cool, man. So I listened to your last course. I thought it was really valuable, really awesome. So um, I kind of took a little bit of the format from your last Q and A a little bit. Awesome, nice. Um, which yeah, which I think is valuable to you know be able to kind of call out the different uh, episodes and kind of points that you you covered. Um, yeah, I mean, so, it, it gives like an opportunity to like if we don't touch on something or we miss something or have another perspective. I think, you know, it, it helps wrap up this whole idea. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. So um, I'll jump in with episode ones, uh, which was cool. I, I believe is pros versus cons. Yeah. Um, and so the first point I wanted to bring up and ask you guys about was the the aspect of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like. So what I was kind of curious to ask you guys both was um, like what areas when it comes to having control over all aspects of running your design business um, or freelance work, like what areas of having that full control kind of like caught you by surprise? Um, And I guess maybe some possible examples there would be like scheduling your work time or like project and client management or like sales and marketing. Like when you went to do running your own business, like what caught you by surprise the most and like maybe you weren't the most prepared for yeah, man. Wow, this is good. I'm, I'm now. I'm, I wish we had these in advance. <laughs> uh, I, I offered. I offered. <laughs> I no, put on the cuff. No, I, Maybe I not love this much better. But certainly for us. I, I mean, I'll take that. Look, I, I think I was certainly most surprised by um, how less the design work there was. Meaning, like I was doing all the small things, all the onboarding, all the the landing the clients, the reaching out. I mean, working with printer. Like I was doing everything. And initially, I didn't realize that it was just essentially more running a business and less of design, right? And I think that was at least the most surprising thing, and certainly the the biggest thing, that, the the biggest learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, gosh, the biggest surprise in the fact control. I think it's naive to think that you're going to be able to control your clients more. Uh, in a freelance gig than let's say yeah. in, in whatever. And I, I remember being asked that question once and they were like, um, I'm a little, fr- I, I really want to get into freelance because I want control back. And it's like, well, the only thing you're really controlling is your company, the growth of your company, the performance and the reputation of your company. And maybe uh, like the three of us have done is kind of finding niche work and specialty work that we really like. And that's not so much to say specialty style but a specialty industry or yeah. specialty uh segment or uh you know the your your clients are you you strive to get someone of a certain size of a client or you know that that could be a a specialty right there so it's not so much that it's like the control is really everything that your company is not so much controlling the client into steering them the right way and all that other kind of thing um, that's still, you know, you're, we're still in client services. So I think I like to sure stay are, open yeah. and right. I like to stay open saying that. So like, I don't, I think that might be the biggest surprise is that, wow. Yeah. Your wheel that you get to steer is all about your business. Not so much about the work you're going to do. And, hmm. but then you can choose that, but I don't think that's smart to think that you can do that right at the beginning. I think it's smart to take everything you can, you can get, build up some revenue and see what you really like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. 
What about you? I mean, yeah. Ryan, you're going through this right now. I'm curious, you know, you're also your perspective here, um, mm-hmm. especially just sort of entering this. Right. So I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was caught by surprise and um, by a number of ways. Um, it was really interesting because I had a unique position at the agency I was at to, I was kind of the owner's right-hand man. And um, it was great because I got, I mean, it was kind of a bummer because I ended up being like the project manager. <laughs> as well sure, as like yeah. design d- designer and creative director <laughs> um but that was good for me because then like i've taken projects from beginning to end like literally from like quoting how much time i was going to take to getting all of the uh, assets from the client and making sure everything's running smoothly i mean i even hired and managed contractors um, yeah so when i um went over to do my own thing full time i was just like dude this is cake i got this i've been doing this for years um but i think that one of the downfalls was that the agency i was with um wasn't very um i don't know how to put this but maybe like organized mm-hmm. um okay you know like we didn't yeah. do time we didn't do time tracking um you know just loosely um and so you know and when you're working for a company too like you're not so much like thinking about how many billable hours you're working you know you're just like i'm there from 9 to 5 yeah. So I think the biggest um, challenges I've seen coming out into this is really was just um, scheduling my work time. You know, like um, what is like the realistic expectation of how many billable hours you can do in a day for client work? Sure. Um, you know, and then uh, and I think you know then some some of it on the sales and marketing side too. Um, you know, obviously that's something I hadn't really had to do before, but. Um, yeah, I mean, sales and is a whole game in itself. It really uh, is. Yeah, and I've been a little surprised too about how many clients, like proposals that I get out there that, um, you know, they're shopping around. So yep. you're competing with, uh, you know, three or four other agencies, maybe mm-hmm. even, and you're solo. You know, you're a solo, uh, you know, designer. Um, <clears throat> so that's always that's been a like curve too. Is just realizing that you're gonna have to get a lot of proposals out there to start winning some of them. Yeah. So. Yep. And look yeah. as good as the next guy, regardless of who they are. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty interesting that you're competing for something uh, with people that you maybe you never had before. So that could be. I, I yeah. look at that I, even when it's when I'm scared or a little like, mm, am I the right? You know, am I ready for this? I still think of it as the best challenge in the world. So it's like, again, most of the time when we were talking about those pros and cons, man, all of them can the positives can be negatives and negatives can be positive. You know, in this world of freelance. Yeah, truly. absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. And that's actually a good segue to the second one. Um, We're so segue, again, episode... segue masters, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Um, right. So again, this is the same episode one. Um, and you were, you know, one of the, I think, pros, uh, I, you know, was that your rates as a freelancer are determined by you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that's obviously... A huge thing that I think somebody, especially first starting out, you know, you have to figure out your rates and, um, you know, all that stuff like that. But um, so this is like kind of a, taking a little bit of a spin on that. Um, but it's like, I mean, sometimes potential clients can see you being a freelancer as like a negative. Yes, um, sure. You know, for instance, like, you know, agencies have entire teams to work on client projects. And I think you guys kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, and so there's a number of scenarios that you might have to like deal with deal with when this kind of thing happens um so it's a two-part question so i'll just start with number one um how do you pitch to clients that are when they're choosing you 
that like uh, a freelance or like a one man shop business can be beneficial to them? Uh, like, how do you sell yourself as being a good option opposed as opposed to hiring an agency? So the the question on this one is is when you're preferring to be positioned as a one man shop, how do you do it and why? Basically, right? Hmm. Well, right. So I mean, is that what you're saying? Yeah, sort of the benefits of that. Yeah, what's the benefit of that? Well, yeah, I mean, so I mean, if you if you you know, obviously, imagine when you get started, you're going to be a one man shop. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you might you might have visions to hire on more employees down the road and become a full on agency, but you're starting solo, and so you're going to get clients. They're going to come to you, and you know, you're going to put together a proposal, and they're going to be like, um, you know, basically, why why you know, like the agencies have a particular appeal to them because they have all those team members and dedicated people for different you know aspects of each project so uh yeah you know, curious to see what how you pitch yourself as a solo business uh designer that you are a good fit i think you find there's t- there's signs in the first few meetings with them to mm. know how to best position yourself and it might be tell them you're a team tell them you're solo or anywhere in between right uh sometimes maybe even be vague on that so there's not anything to define and you fit a mold that they're thinking of uh, very naturally because maybe you haven't defined yourself too much. Right. Um, But I think some of the benefits that come for just being smaller, either one or two people, one or three people, uh, as opposed to a 10 member team is the, how nimble and the attention to detail um, the one-on-one that you can give them by being always available I find yeah. when I have been up against other places or I have clients that work with bigger firms, a lot of times they tell me, wow, your response is much faster. When we need something, it's much quicker. Um, when I need something, you're available on the phone. So I pocket those as fantastic little keynotes to put in my presentations with new clients to say, here's what other clients have adm- have favored about working with my team. And then it looks like great advantage. So it's almost like... Right, you gotta almost hear what they're saying uh, to know how to to react. I mean, that's that is a big pro of being sort of a smaller team. It's you have that flexibility, and you just no matter what, you, it's it's harder with a big group, right? If you have twelve people and everyone's doing a different department for this giant brand, like if you need to change something on the fly or you know you need to pivot somewhere, it it, it does take longer. Mm-hmm. But I think having that sort of the strength and 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 being able to do that quickly, and I do think, I mean. The personal touch is really nice. It's like one-on-one, you're always going to talk through me, like with me, you know, if you need something like I can give you my personal cell. I don't often do that, but like I sometimes do. You know what I mean? Like there is a personal touch, but there's ebb and flow. Like I do market myself, especially with, you know, clients. I want to seem bigger than a freelance. Most often, I've never really had someone like, you know, (laughs) uh, prefer the smaller group necessarily, but um, I do think that there are advantages to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I totally agree on all those points. Um, yeah, I mean, you usually can be much more responsive and you can be much more like, you know, there. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, I agree on all those points for sure. Uh, and then I think like you mentioned, too, I think that in your in your episode that, you know, you don't have the same overhead. You know, you don't have to have like, you know, yeah. you don't necessarily have to have a lease. You don't have to be paying, yeah. like, you know five, 10 employees and all that yeah. stuff like that. So, but yeah, also too, you, you don't have the layers of process that naturally build at a small agency. And then when it goes from client saying, I need a change to client getting the change, it has to hit six people. 
And I at my last agency, it was just like that. We narrowed it down to like yeah. three or four. But that every one of those clicks is like, well, he might be away from his desk and she might be at lunch and all that stuff. Next thing you know, they're getting used to getting changes in two days, whereas you might be able to do it in an hour into two hours. So yeah. again, it's just those little flexibilities that you got to use to your advantage, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Okay. So then the second part of this is kind of along the same lines. So, um, and I've, I've run into this before too, a little bit, but, um, so there's going to be potential clients that will see you as like a freelancer in quotes. Yeah. Uh, with the idea of like you being like cheap, um, or, you know, and like I've had people before, which is like a ridiculously awesome being like trying to like rebuttal (laughs) your, trying to like rebuttal your proposals and be like, why does it cost this much? Like you're you're a designer, right? Like, (laughs) you know? And, um, so, you know, or like, they're like, Oh, why does it cost this much? Like I only need to hire you to do like four hours of work for this project. Um, which in itself is a red flag, which I think you guys talked about in in this series as well. But, um, so I mean, how do you, uh, curious to see from your perspective, how do you avoid potential clients seeing you just as a freelance in quotes designer? Yeah. Uh, you know, they could do work for whatever dollar an hour, um, to being like a professional business and being a big asset to that client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing in change for me was like, I set a goal to market myself, not just as a designer anymore. Like I want them to come and I'm going to build a brand with them. Right. And that can go in a lot of different directions. I think a website is kind of the key component, especially when you have case studies and they can, you can show them how you're going to take them from maybe just an idea right? Like I bake bread to here's the full brand of baked mm-hmm. bread, like all the onboard. So I think really setting your process and then showcasing that it's more than just, you know, I'm you're hiring me for a logo. I typically don't even like just doing logo projects, period. Like yeah. I want to do a full brand nowadays because I want the control because most logos, you have to base it off that stuff anyway. Um, so I think, yeah, the first and foremost is like I need to show them and make them aware that I'm not just a uh, designer it's your perception. It's exactly that. It's how you present yourself. So you, I saw little by little when I made little tweaks and changes to online or how I even presented myself or how I put a pitch deck together. It was, I learned every time how to remove that word and now put consultant or remove this word and put Hmm. professional or uh, brand builder, like all these little like changes in the way you present yourself, change your perspective your perception to them and that's again a positive because it's in your control you can do this you don't have to submit this to someone and say can we change the way we our company looks you do this it's 100 percent your responsibility and also too it's like i know it's tough too because as a young young person or someone getting into it at the beginning it's hard to say that at the very beginning and say i'm only going to yeah. accept uh, brands of this big or this project of that big. You just got to learn how to start exercising that after you get a few things under your belt. And then, yes, it means saying no to a few things because you want to be ready for the one that finally does say yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's Absolutely. it's it's little tweaks and, and, and bends along the way to make yourself look the way you want to be presented as. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's a tough one. Yeah. It's a yeah, tough man. one because it's, it's very... Uh, I'm glad you brought that part up because again, like maybe it's fresh out of my mind because it's been a few years since I had that problem. But now when I have, when someone does still slip through and asks for that one-off thing, I just have a way of explaining to them why I'm not the right person for them. And I, and have, and I have one or two people that I can 
shoot yeah, them off Yeah, that's a big to. one too. Yeah, exactly. You know? So then yeah. you still come through as a nice, you know, networking solution Helpful. with these people. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man, I think that's perfect. Yeah, I think the I think that I'm sure a lot of people find this this balance uh challenging especially when you're first starting and Nick, I know we've talked about this when we hung out recently, but yeah, yeah. it's like um you know, when you're first starting, you have to keep the lights on. So it's like, and I think Jordan, you talked about this too, you know, mm-hmm. like when you started, you're getting started. It's like, so it's just that balance of, uh, and I totally agree. Once you get to a certain point, you have to start refining who your clients are, presenting yourself as that branding professional. They can do yeah. all of this stuff, not just a logo designer. Um, so yeah, I think it's a matter of getting to that point where uh, you can start saying no and start trying to like present yourself in that way and focus on clients that are, they're going to be better clients and like see you as this like asset and a partner so yeah and a lot of that comes with you know your process and then how you present that process um and i certainly wasn't doing any of that when i started and i also found that i was constantly feeling like i had to defend my value as a designer (laughs) especially as a young designer you know um and it only comes with confidence and the confidence again only comes with just kind of doing it and maybe sometimes making those mistakes and figuring out you know what seems to be successful and how you're starting to land better clients and really capitalizing on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this client, like it totally caught me by surprise, but like he just totally called, he was just like, why is it going to cost this much? Like I only yeah. need you for this many hours, but it was a pretty big project. It was like a, a new, um, like hard seltzer, uh, beverage brand coming out that needed full packaging and needed the can labels. And I was just like, man, you know, kind of a tip, somewhat typical response is like yeah i've been designing for 15 years like that's yeah. what you're paying for you know yeah. like i know that i know the industry but he saw it as just like he he saw it as just like he needed to hire a designer and, yeah and pay and pay him for like 10 hours or something and so i think it's those circumstances where that that becomes the problem because they're seeing like you're giving me a package design it's like no i'm not mm-hmm. like we're yeah. gonna take this broader like we're gonna really define your you know your target market we're gonna talk about strategies going to market we're gonna every reason like every design has a reason behind it and it's about defining those reasons and so mm-hmm. if you can kind of present it, it's like it's not just a sticker on a can like it's so much more than that you know what i mean exactly yeah. I, I think sometimes the best thing to do in that situation is tell them what they'll get if they continue that route and find a designer who will agree with it. They will yeah. get crap. They will get something rushed and they'll yeah. feel baseless hor- design. And the fact that they paid, you know, $1,500 for it instead of $15,000 for it, they will understand. They're going to go through it the hard way. So it's almost like yeah. tell, give them a little glimpse of what it's going to be like if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Cool. Um, Sweet. Okay, so I'm gonna jump over to I think episode five. Uh, yeah. When you're talking about uh, getting clients. Um, sure. And so on the first point, I was um, on on like landing clients, and um, so I mean like getting a client signed on to work with you uh, quickly and easily is like super golden. But I find um, I find more and more that that's not always the case. Like as I talked about, like you're competing against. You know, you could be competing against three or four other proposals. They're mm. they're shopping around. You know, um, so I think it's important for like first time freelancers starting their businesses to know that that you will likely be competing with other agencies or designers. Um, to when they're when a client's trying to find the right fit for their project. Uh, so again, this is another two part question, but I will start with number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm getting in depth here. I like um, it. Yeah. Uh, so, what percentage of clients contact you? and then sign a contract with you like where you're not competing against other proposals. They like come find you, talk to you and they're like, yes, sign, let's roll. 
Hmm. Like how, how often, like what percentage of that is, do you find? That actually like reach out and don't expect to look elsewhere. Yeah. Sort of, oh, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. right. Cause I mean, I've, I've gotten clients reach out and like, I've had amazing conversations on the phone. Yeah. Um, a number of conversations, uh, get them the proposal, expecting them to be like signed cause everything was going so well. And then, uh, I hear back from them like a week later and they're like, Oh, well we're reviewing like three other proposals. Mm-hmm. We'll get back. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to you. And I was just like, damn, I thought I had you sold like and yep. signed and ready to roll, you know, but then all of a sudden yep. you're like competing against all these others. And it's such a, you have to build a relationship with these people and like get them to like want to hire you on. So. And it's a lot, of, that's um, a lot of time and hours to, to get yeah. them to like you, you know, um, I would say nowadays I'm lucky, dude. I, I would say a good 80%, if not more, come from uh, the contact. We make, a, we make a relationship. We make a pitch. We make a solution, and they go with it. Um, but I don't, that, that took time. I remember yeah. back in the first few years, it was much harder because they found you via searching rather than a, a connection or a referral. And now that they come through most, I'd say close to 80 to 90% come through referral, then there's an instant uh, trust and bond because it came from someone and God bless good networking because man, when someone gives you that, you know, that seal of approval and you can even see it in an email when they introduce you, then that person, hopefully too, they're getting people in that are much more um, likely to pull the trigger faster because they're real. I think what happens sometimes is you find people that are not ready for it. And then mm. it will die or they'll go with someone else just based on budget. And I didn't, you don't want those in the first place. So again, it's a learning curve. You, you can't expect that right at the beginning. But if you build up enough of a good reputation and referral system, you'll eliminate that problem. I couldn't agree with that anymore. Um, I mean, I, I would say starting off like that would happened pretty frequently with me. But at this point, most of my work comes from uh referrals from other clients and that's what we talked about in that client episode like you know client retention and giving that 100 percent experience is so crucial beyond just like having to work with a client but the most cases they're going to refer friends and friends of friends like you're going to get work and if you already have that uh, uh sort of referral from someone they trust well then you're kind of already ahead of the whole pack in terms yeah. of just like them competing. You're already um, pre-approved. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say for the ones that are shopping around um, and typically like the ones that are referred to me, they'll say that initially in the message or I'll know that they're going to, you know, reach out. Um, but other than that, like I just try to make those first impressions like crucially. I mean, that's going to set the tone for the entire process. So I think that first, second email, whatever you can do take, I know, a couple hours to make like a nice looking template. Don't just say, you know, like whatever you can do to set the tone uh, will help increase those chances. First first impressions, man. First impressions. Yeah. Just making them happy, look professional, you know. That's the best advantage we have, man, is we can do that yeah. stuff. So uh, think, think of if you were in any other industry where you have to go to someone to make all these marketing materials. We get to do it ourselves. So like take 100% advantage of that for sure yeah absolutely you know yeah no i I completely agree yeah and i I think um i guess looking back on it after i wrote this question it's like uh i realized that these are often leads i'm getting from my website yeah um so you know but right if you have a good if you're getting solid referrals then they're much more likely just to sign on right away yeah totally your perspective here is actually interesting because 
you know, and like we mentioned, you're specializing in the beer realm. And in uh, your website definitely showcases that, right? So it makes sense why you're getting a lot of like breweries or you know any other beverage company coming to you because uh, uh, you're you're advertising this, and, and it makes sense like a lot of them will be new for the first time and they are currently shopping around. So I would be interesting, yeah, and see like the best way to combat that in that situation, you know, mm. where it's like your specialty and you're reaching out, and your website really feels like you know if you're a brewery, we can help you to here, here, here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah and that i guess that kind of leads me to the next next question but i mean yeah you're absolutely right like it's i've been really having to try to build on um you know this is going into the sales process too but like um really nurturing relationship with them first to see yeah. you as an ex- to see you as an expert um and then you know that gives them more reason to like to get to know you and then i want to hire you so um and then yes yeah, so, i mean i guess that would come to, to the next question of the, uh, the next part of this question and i think you know we can maybe rephrase it a little bit or take it in a little bit of different spin but um so when it comes to, uh, to competing against others to land a project uh do you have any tips for freelancers to like create better relationships with the client like early on um to just like overall look better in the client's eyes or during the client's like selection process and i know you touched on uh, this quite good. a bit like like those initial emails, like looking professional, like onboarding and stuff like that. But mm. so, yeah, like when they, when they first start contacting you, like to like build a, a better relationship with those, those clients early on, um, to try to like position yourself as the one they'd want to hire. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say, and we might've touched on this a little bit, so I might be repeating myself, but it really, it, it's all about cultivating that experience and, and being available and quick responses. Like I want to set the tone for the entire project. And also like I have certain templates designed ready for like certain aspects, you know, especially with the beer side. Like I have a lot of my, a lot of my experience comes from the beer side, just like you Ryan. So like I have examples ready to go. I have like a couple of case study, you know, PDFs that I'll send them. Um, <laughs> it yep. also helps like, you know, especially if they're kind of in that realm and they're taking it seriously, like I can talk numbers pretty well. I can talk about, you know, going to market strategies. But I think it's really just like I want to set the tone that I'm going to be available. It's going to be a really good experience. You know, if I'm going to send them something, I'm going to design it, make it look good. So it's not just letters on, you know, whatever. Um, and I, I it's yeah again cultivating that experience as, as best you can through uh relationships and also deliverables yeah you're you're you nailed it by saying whatever you have on hand to show or be to yeah. take the presentation or the pitch a different level and i think a lot of times what i have now is probably about 20 or so very fine-tuned specific little pdfs that are of of specific um merit or uh, case study style and let's say it's someone that comes to me and says, we're a toy company, we need packaging, rebranding, whatever, and we know you've done it, but I have a perfectly made PDF that's talked specifically to that. But then also, yeah. too, it's not just the case studies and, and, and fancy pictures, but talk about, like what you said, numbers, yeah. process, knowing factories that are going to have to pr- print this, any insight knowledge that you have pop it in there because chances are the other guy might and has to wing it. And that's where you can shine by having specific uh, knowledge of particular, let's call them, you know, insights or areas or industries. Cause man, yeah. that just pumps up your trust value. And then they'll see that and go, damn, I didn't even know we had a supply a dye line or copy or UPC codes or all these other things. And 
Some other guy might not even know that's going to come down the road. That's true. Yeah, I think the process is actually probably the crux of it. Like every new client wants to know what to expect. And so if you can like design something where it's like a PDF or something, and this can change with whatever client, you can adapt it. Exactly. To take them through the process immediately in a way that is visually like stark and like and pleasing and professional. I think that kind of stuff is going to either set you apart or definitely put you on the top yeah. rather than just text, you know, emailing what's going to happen. And yeah. and keep in mind, they're going to share this document because they might be the, the, the only contact out there searching. So if yeah, they're bringing it into a meeting, you want to make sure you build it that it's very elementary and it's easy to understand. So if they're putting it on a TV or distributing it to other team members, make sure it's it's speaking for itself and it doesn't need any um, hand-holding, hand-holding mm. you know, throughout the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been nerding out on this a lot too. And like, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, like the, the onboarding process, you know, and I, I was talking with Jordan, I think like about creating like a really great like PDF kind of like um, client introduction kind of like manual yeah. or kind yeah. of like really well designed that kind of tells them how, what it's going to be like to work with you and, um, just a nice way to get them onboarded. And yeah, that's um, been on the back burner for a long time for me. Uh, <laughs> I, it, it takes I, time. I'm, it's all I that wanna, kind of stuff. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. But again, if you're freelance and you're in control, this is where, this is where your strengths can be like really yeah. lie. And I think a good example, and Ryan, we were talking about this when we were having beers the other day, but like the forefathers, uh, group, uh, manual that they have, it, it's brilliant. It's just like a downloadable ebook that takes the client through the entire process and explains, you know, what everything's going to look like, why they do the things they do, et cetera. And it's great. I mean, like if you have something like that built that you can just, again, it'll take time to build it, but then you'll have it and you can just send that to every client. It's going to look great. Uh, and I think that's going to help definitely attract and retain some solid yeah. clientele work. You know what? No yeah. one, you know what? No one ever said after reading the, their little download is why does this cost so much again? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Cause honestly, they answered that question right there by, giving a quality handover thing that just it take took the time to spell it out why why mm-hmm. how much how we do it all that other stuff kind of erases all the competition yeah yeah simple as that yeah uh i came across this interesting idea uh from a kind of like a consulting business podcast but it was to, to take the approach to like imagine if you if you were to charge your clients to work with you um kind of like if you think about like you pay to get into like Disneyland, right? Yeah. So it's like ma- imagine if like you were charging your clients from the second they stepped in your inbox or whatever. Um what would you have to do to make that like to give that client an experience that was worth paying for? You know, so like every single thing that they the touch point that they come into like and I think it just frames it in a way that makes you really think about how you can make every possible touch point and experience with a, with a client. Yeah. memorable and memorable and like a viable experience. So I think if you look at it that way, I think it makes it really like kind of helps you like yeah. frame it. That is a good perspective to, or at least a good scope to kind of see it all through right. like that first class yeah. experience. And you're right. Like as soon as, mm-hmm. you know, they send you that first email, it starts. Um, yeah. I think that's actually really great. Yeah. Cool. Um, sweet. So I'm going to next one here is on the same episode five. I'm um, talking about working with clients. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think you need to position yourself as an expert and be like in control of the relationship as much as you can. Um, and I think this, I think some of this came from, uh, win without pitching, uh, the manifesto. I think have you guys read that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read okay. that. No. 
Okay, yeah, win without pitching. Um, it's really it's really good, and I think the idea um, is that if you start off a client relationship and you kind of lose ground as not being like this like super high elevated expert, yeah, um, your relationship with the client over time is gonna naturally decline to where you see yourselves as equals or you see yourself as like right. So so I think establishing yourself as, as the highest possible like expertise from the beginning is really important. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, you, you don't want to just be like an order taker. You don't want to be pushing pixels. So I think like what approaches or methods have you found best to kind of establish yourself as that expert and like set expectations with the client mm. that they should val value your input and your expertise? Yeah, I think currently it's I have had it's going to be tough because this is where I'm at now. At the beginning, it was different. But now it's like I've had enough experience and I've seen enough numbers where like I know that they're I know that what I do will make them more money. And that is like maybe a scary thing to sort of relay when you're starting out because you don't <laughs> know, but you know, right? Yeah. But like I've seen enough of the numbers and I've and I've had enough of the feedback from clients. So, like I know that I will make them more money. And especially if it's gonna be in something where I have a lot of experience, like the beer world, and I like I actually have clients' numbers that they've, you know, given me, like I know that. I can I can take them through that process and I can like show them the hard data, which is which is everything, right? Like if you, yeah, that's why they're coming to you because they want you to make them more money. And so if you can provide, you know, proof, good reasons, yeah, proof yeah. behind that. But starting out, like it, it's tough because you don't you don't know, and so that's where it's like, well, I'm. It's really about creating that like first class experience until mm -hmm. you do enough where it's like, oh, this is working. Actually, here's examples of this working. You know. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, man, that's a good one. Um, cause at the beginning, the only tools you have are really, um, the impression you make and what, what you're, what you leave them with. And like, it's a lot of what we just went over, which is your collaterals and your things that you're handing over, but try to make sure that sometimes what I did too, was I would write a few little pointers down before a phone call to make sure these were things that I made sure I highlighted that were things mm. that they were going to get from, from working with me. Um, if it just needs a little reminder, so it comes in more naturally in the conversation, I'm not going to start a phone call off like, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, headline number one, I'm the best. You know, it's not, it's not like that, <laughs> but have, have a few great benefit lines that you can just interject into the first few phone calls a little bit more. Cause I think, uh, when you test those waters that way, you'll hear in their you'll hear them go, oh, oh that wow, I never thought of it that way. Okay, like yeah, the brand it, it just starts with the logo, but there's other elements. Oh, okay, and then they, mm. if you're just educating them, and then everything else we've said as far as process and all that other stuff, you drop those in there. That allows you that makes you sound beyond better. So even if you haven't practiced it enough, at least we all know the the right commandments that are going to make a project work well. So try to just make sure you're highlighting them and make sure you're mentioning them to them and how they're going to get it with you, you know? Yeah. So, Cause it takes a while to build up to the, to have proof and all yeah. that other stuff. And that's yeah. tough, man. That's But when you get that, Oh fuck, then you're golden. You know, that's, yeah. that's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. And yeah. when you get those good clients, like, I will ask for that stuff. And maybe it's not like the hard numbers. Not every uh -huh. client's going to open up that book, but at least like percentage percentage of you. Exactly. That mm -hmm. kind of stuff is, is really, really helpful. Good. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think one idea I saw on that too is um, kind of the idea that when you start a new client project or new client relationship is the idea of kind of like zero-based work where it's like you are going to take whatever they have from like the ground level, from like ground zero. Because yeah. if, they, if they come to you and they're like with preconceived notions that like they think they can just tell you what to do because they already know what they want like then they're not getting you're not they're not getting the value out of you that that they should be right so if you kind of yeah. take them from the beginning from the very beginning and tell them like no we're going to start from ground zero like we'll take your ideas and we're not going to discard those but we're going to start from the ground level and work up and that way i think it, if you show you you're, you're mm-hmm. going to prove out of your value in that sense yeah 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 because i think it really is defining like the we have more value than just designing. And I often will like put in my network. Like I can, if you need something printed, I have a whole bunch of guys I use. Like I, like I can get you deals. I know if you need a website, I got got like there's value and also our connections. And I want to bring the clients within that too, you know, and try to even sell that aspect as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a good, good idea. Um, well, sweet. I'll jump over to episode six, uh, which I believe is a checklist. Yeah. And, um, so as I mentioned earlier, like, I think one of my biggest challenges has been like time management. Um, and that's like, you know, juggling client work with like administrative or business development type work. Yeah. Um, so curious to hear like how each of you like kind of set up your time like these days. Um, like, do you just designate certain parts of the day for email or like certain time slots for marketing? Mm. I'm just kind of curious how you set up your time on like regular daily, weekly basis. <laughs> uh i or just like whatever chaos. <laughs> yeah no, i try not to let it be chaos sometimes it is like sometimes i'll take on more work or scope creep will happen it not always but i do try to like on mondays typically are like an admin day for me and this is where i'm reaching out and if there you know something is due i try not yeah. to make it due on this day um but i mean <sighs> I what I try to do and look this isn't always the case but like I do try if I'm having like maybe three clients right now at the same time I'm going to try to dedicate one day to each instead of like one day I'm going to hit all three because my mind doesn't I need to get into the focus like all right I'm doing a Saturday this day that means I'm going to absorb myself I'm going to have a cider I'm going to get into that element and everything I do will be focused on that client maybe Wednesday will be uh or the whatever it is whatever project I have at the time and so that typically helps me yeah. Um, and also, you know, Sunday nights or maybe even Mondays, I'm going to pl- plot out my week. That kind of helps too, like making a list and actually like, okay, here's my schedule for the week. Because it can get crazy. You know, and most designers aren't using, they're not just with one client at a time. Oftentimes they're with yeah. two, three, maybe more. Um, I am curious about your guys' view because I'm not the best. Like I say these things, but also like I overload sometimes or a client's like, I need this done actually two days ago. And it's like, oh, okay. So you do yeah. have to be flexible in that, but I definitely try to stick to a regular <laughs> of some sort, but it definitely changes. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, I'm no master in that in any way. And part of me hasn't changed anything because it's regardless of what's thrown at me, you always find a way to, to get it done. Um, could it have been a lot better. Yeah. But, it's hard to pause everything and reorganize how you're going to time manage yourself. Like that's the hardest thing for me because it's different all the time. And like two weeks ago, I had four major projects going on at the same time and I yeah. was dying. Like it was just, and, but your, but your brain knows that. And so you are just nonstop and you're finding every ounce of time to do it. What I found when I was in that busy zone was I found better time, 
periods of the day that were more efficient for me. So like first thing in the morning or, or even it, I, I hate to say this, but it even starts the night prior because I feel like if I could do a little bit at night where I know all mm. my clients are away from maybe computers and not even in their office and all that other stuff or different time zones, maybe it allows me to sleep a little better knowing a bunch of stuff's been either thrown out or yeah. things have been updated in emails. And I know like, great. So in the morning, what I was doing was admin first, like a lot of the little like the odds and end things, the things that like have to just be happened to or done to get out of my mind and be, yeah. okay, guess what? Now I can be a creative because that's done. Then it was like emails and then it was like changes and revisions and things that have, are waiting for me to make. Because I find those first few hours of the day maybe aren't the best time for me to be 100% like, you know, Mr. Creativity and, and design from scratch stuff. Mm, so yeah. I was doing that. Then creeping into like maybe before lunch and all after lunch was the true stuff, the things that I have to look at and really uh, take the time to construct and make something new and creative, you know, and yeah. really... And then sometimes even uh, after five, if there was, if, cause we talked about flexibility, right? And if you did something later than the, earlier in the day and you, you knew you'd be working later at night, I love to do um, the more creative stuff then too, because it's uninterrupted. I'm yeah. not getting a phone call or email. So it's almost like in those crazy times is where you really have no other alternative. Cause otherwise you're just going to drop everything. Right. And you're going to fail. So like uh, sometimes I, I'm one of those people that has to be pushed. Like, so no procrastination, whatever, because there's just no other alternative, but you give me four months to do something and I will do it night, the end of the last night just yeah, by, just dude. by nature. <laughs> right. So, so now it's like, yeah, now is a whole other different week. It's like seven or eight projects, but they're smaller scope. So yeah. now they're, oh, and each one of them is going like this all day long and intertwining. So you just got to. You got to know how to go to the flow, but I think you do have to have core things like you were saying too, where you find the best time of the day. There's a great book out there that was just talking about this and I'll try to find the name of it, but it was trying to say the, the, there are time periods of the day where most of us um, can do things better uh, because of the way we're wired. And it's good to yeah. know those things because I just want pure efficiency when it comes to that. Yeah. It's really figuring out, yeah, your personal, like uh, when you are creative and it's not something that you can't just turn it on and off, but I do find like you know, if I put myself in a habit or like we kind of talked about in that episode of my office is where I do certain things. It's where yes. I design and work and plot out stuff. So like I don't hang out in here. Like every time I'm in here, my brain is in that mode. Sort of like when I'm in my bed, I know that's where I sleep and I yes. get tired. Right. Uh, and so I think, yeah, just figuring out your own personal process and, and capitalizing on that. And I do think you hit it well with like it's nice not to have interruptions. So like I do like the evening creations or maybe even early morning before. I yeah. start my email because throughout the day, like you're going to get interrupted a lot. Like I'm getting emails all day. I might get some phone calls, people reaching out. And so if I'm trying to get like really absorbed into that project, it's hard when there are that many yeah. distractions. Mm. Very true. What about you, Ryan? Yeah. So that's one thing like, I think I've really been trying to work on. Well, one of the yeah. things, but um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, I think what I've, so Jordan, I think I, I, listen to you talking to about um earlier on how you would take like really like kind of like detailed almost like logs you know of your yeah. projects and clients um and even like your hours so um, oh yeah when i first started for sure yeah, yeah 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 and like i mentioned from my background um working at the agency like that was just not even there so hmm. i think i unfortunately kind of got in this habit of just like 
not doing any of that stuff. So yeah. Um, uh, so what I'm, yeah, I think what I'm really just trying to do is start working on something like that where I start logging more. Um, you know, I'm kind of almost doing like postmortems after a project. You know, like what happened? Like it was unexpected. You know, like recently I was doing uh-huh. doing, doing these labels and um, they didn't decide on a label printer like before, and so I set it up according to my printer specs. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to be doing these shrink labels through a different company. They're different sizes and different specs. Oh, so I'm like, no. I already quoted them and everything, right? So then, no, um, so, you know, it wasn't the end of the world, but it did take me, you know, like an hour and a half additional yeah. to set that up. And that's was basically kind of like time lost for my end. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, so, so I'm trying to like, you know, if I, if I did like a postmortem and I kept that in mind, the next next client that comes around, I might be like, oh, you know what? I better add this padding in there. Or like, yep. or the next one be like, if you don't have a client, if you don't have a printer chosen and you don't have a template ahead of time, then that might be an additional cost after we, you know, sign yep. off on the final design. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's all a learning process, right? But, yep. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, a, it's those few times where like, oh, damn it. There's an hour and a half I just lost. But then the yeah. next time it's like, now I'm ready for that. It's, yeah. It's part of the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I almost think, too, it would be smart that I'm glad we're bringing this part up because if someone told me this at the beginning, um, I'd feel a lot better when these big mistakes or these big things happen that I I go, write that down because the next time I write a quote, I got to remember that. You know, and so then your your estimate becomes much more layered and much more intensive because you're you. We could tell you a thousand times, make the best invoice. But until you go through one of these things and feel the hurt of losing yeah. maybe a few hours and some money, you'll never do it. Yeah. yeah. That's well, true. right. And then if you start using that and start building up, um, you know, this again, like, will like, I think help you look like an expert for the next one. Cause you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh, like, you know, Oh, you don't have your EPC code set up for your labels. Okay. Well, guess what? Um, that's going to take time and you're gonna have to figure that out. Yeah. But I can help you or point you or whatever, but hundred um, bucks a pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or like you're at the point where like, I have like a couple t-shirt printers and other guys where like, I bring them work and they give me whatever, a 10% discount, but I can push that onto my clients and I'm like, I already, I worked with these guys, works great. Uh, they can give us 10% off and you don't even have to worry. Like I'll reach out to them and I'll great. set it all up. I have my templates. They, you know, it's all ready to go. It streamlines my process and you're giving that benefit to the client. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of stuff really helps too. Yeah. 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 Um, so then I guess then uh, on the same topic, I, I'm curious to see like what, you know, as I mentioned, like working nine to five for an agency, you're not necessarily keeping track of billable hours. And that becomes a very real thing once you start doing your own running your own business. So yeah. curious to think like from from your guys' perspective, like what do you think a real a realistic amount of like billable hours in your day is these, you know, these these days? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, I mean, obviously, it's factoring in like client communication emails meetings marketing yeah. bill, billing and all that you know it averages at least eight to nine i i would mm-hmm. say for sure uh you get those amazing days where everything's said and done and you just see a little you see that little beacon of hope that like there's maybe a few hours available to do something fun and <laughs> that becomes a day where there's maybe only two hours that you did something but um and then there's all-nighters all the time you know mm-hmm. um so i think it's about trying to level them out and trying to get there. It's impossible sometimes to do it, but what I try to do is say, okay, I, if eight or nine is my average, 
uh, I want to make sure that that's a goal and then that, that, that I can look at those hours and say they were accounted for in some way. Yeah. Um, but then on the flip side, I'm trying to stay away from hourly and be more value-based in a way, oh, yeah. even up front. So sometimes I feel like that it hurts the, the whole transition of going to value-based because when you start, you're still thinking hours. Um, yeah. Right? It kind of, I mean, uh, kind of cripples I, uh, you yeah. a little bit. I don't, and I, don't, I, and yeah, I, don't, I never want to be asked that. Like, I don't want to be asked how many hours it did on that. When a client says oh, that no. or whatever, I'm just like, you don't understand. And there was a, something I saw this morning where it said like, you know, I could do something in 10 minutes because I've worked 30 years to get there. Right. Like, and, and yeah. that, that's the whole, so that's what you're paying for. But yeah. What do you think, man? I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I definitely avoid hours whenever possible. And, and the only time I might bring them in is like, if, you know, uh, for example, like I, I do posters for uh, uh, a place in Portland and just illustration work. And then uh, the next year they might want the same poster, but have a couple of revisions. I'm like, okay, this is going to take me an hour or two. Yeah. And maybe, you know, I'll, I'll do it that way. Or if it's like any sort of revision that wasn't in the contract, I'm like, okay, well, fine. We'll do an hour base there. But I typically at this point don't. Yeah, I, I, I try to avoid hourly altogether. And I think you hit it right where it's like, well. If I do it faster, why am I being punished? Yeah, <laughs> because my experience, yeah. you know, provides that. So, um, yeah, that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm on the same page. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm totally, absolutely trying to get into value-based pricing. Uh, I guess I was coming the approach from that question is just from an, an internal business. Oh, I got gotcha. like, Running mm-hmm. a business, you know, like because I think that was some, another thing that, like, I, you know, you might come out of like an agency or you might start your business being like, oh, like, yeah, I'm gonna get eight like billable hours of time a day you you try to figure out your your hourly rates you know even though you know even if you're charging like clients by the project um and you're trying to get away from hourly you still factor in your time based on how much you think it's going to take you know and then you might go okay well like yeah add some padding to that whatever and then come up with your pricing and or or when you're starting your business like oh if i want to make you know this much per year divide yeah. that by billable hours and if, if you say like okay i'm gonna have eight billable hours per day then um i found that like you you kind of sometimes have to be realistic you know you don't you're not factoring client meetings or you're not factoring like unless you're gonna be working like 12 hours a day which yeah. you know hopefully you don't have to do but um so i think that's what i think for somebody starting, I think that's really something that's kind of be eye opening. That's I think that's why I asked in that in that way. It's almost a that's it's true. like a parallel, um, you know, uh, fact fact checker to your day and to your pricing by keeping that in line with what, however you're pricing and making sure it's working. Can you break that down in an hourly for your own good? Totally right. I, I think that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you also have to see on tasks too, like you're talking about the freedom, you know, control over yeah. your own business. It's like, well, did setting I, did goals. I, yeah, you're like, well, shoot, I yeah. built 10 hours yesterday. So, yeah, I can go take the afternoon off tomorrow or what today or whatever and go grab a beer and yep. you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, so I think jumping on, I wanted to talk to um, the idea of contracts, which I guess mm-hmm. was from uh, episode six, I believe. Um, and I know Jordan, I know you mentioned like hiring a professional to help build your contract. Yeah. Um, is that right? Yeah. I mean, essentially like what I, yeah, I found a sort of a template and I brought him this and he's like, this is, you know, close, but here's some things you should put. And I told him like what I was planning on, what I wanted. Most of these little idioms I put in, like, uh, uh, I've changed since, but having someone where it's like, this is legitimate 
just that peace of mind, especially when it comes to the contract. And that was, I, I don't have a personal lawyer. I know some people, a lot of designers do. And, but for me, it was just like, it was a one-time fee. Uh, and I think there was value in that investment of like, okay, I know my contract as it stands is sound. Like I have confidence in that when I send it out there versus look, these, there's templates online, but you don't really know <laughs> mm-hmm. like where they're coming from, who wrote it. And so, yeah, just because it sounds legit doesn't mean it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Fancy lawyer talk, but like Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's It's going to hold up. What is that word? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this was I mean, this was only just a couple hours, really. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I guess. Yeah. So. Right. And and I, you know, I'm always like just put together my own contract. I've, I've like found like pieces of contracts i'm just like oh that's really great i should add it so i just like hobbled together my own you know so um but i was just kind of interested to get that perspective from you a little bit um and so i mean like when you found somebody uh to hire on to help with the contract i mean was it somebody that was experienced in design and branding or like marketing or um you know and were you able to find somebody that like was kind of on the more affordable side but you know was was obviously able to like get you yeah. something exactly what you needed? I kind of lucked out because a client of mine has a really good uh, uh, design and trademark lawyer that he, they use. And oh, so nice. I I hired him for, I think it was like two and a half hours or something. For, for him, and then we just had a quick meeting. It was like a lunch. And I, he cut me a little bit of a deal, but we essentially talked about it. Like I had a, a base and I told him, you know, this is what I want to do. And you know, I asked him if like he's seen things that kind of, you know, uh, that could be missing on this contract, et cetera. And so I got lucky in that regard. But I do know that there are like more affordable eyes on this sort of thing. And I bet there's actually probably at this point, like, uh, you know, sort of companies that can do this even online where it's like a Skype call or something like that. Yeah, um, y- you could do like legal Zoom. Which is a, oh, that's a, what it is. Yeah, which is really great, and it's it's pay per use with uh, um, a lawyer that kind of specializes in small business. They can even be in the freelance world um, and have some knowledge of what to look for and help you put it together. So yeah. I think at the least you're looking at something like maybe a you know 150 bucks for someone's time to do something unique if they want to review yeah. something you've done. You know what a lot of young designers I know have done is they know someone that they trust, maybe a friend of the family or whatever, and they offered some design services in conjunction to them looking over uh, their contract <laughs> just as a nice, you know, check off. So yeah. Yeah. get creative with that. Don't ever forget the bartering thing because it's like, man, yeah. it's still to this day. Times, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing, man. I got a lot of my wedding stuff like when I bartered. Oh, like, good. Oh, that's awesome. right, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I saved so much money on my wedding by by trading some stuff. It was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I've used I use LegalZoom. I use LegalZoom to set up my LLC. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I'll definitely probably take a look at that option. But I, yeah, that's a good point. Like I do also know some like attorneys just through my podcast and trademarking stuff. So I might look at. Oh, that's that, cool. But, there you um, go. Yeah. So so when you, and so when you came to that, so you said you kind of already had a bit of a contract together, um, or like. Did you come to them with what you had and you were like, here's maybe like a bullet like a bullet list of items that like you there maybe concerns you or like maybe bullet list of items that you're like, oh, I think I need this or like, 
how did you what did you bring them to them or i brought them i i did the same thing i think as a lot of young designers where i found a template and then i found bits and pieces that seemed to work within like what i was gonna do with, yeah like, just like I'm logos doing. and stuff yeah and i essentially just brought that to him um and he kind of there was a few edits and a few shifts um and then there were pieces where you know he talked about like i've seen this happen this could be a good clause or whatever it is um but yeah, I essentially just brought him what I found online. <laughs> mm. And it wasn't like it it wasn't bad and I don't want to say like every template's bad, but I for me it was a peace of mind that I knew what I had would hold up because when you freelance again, like uh you are vulnerable in that aspect and hiring a lawyer for something like that it can be really expensive. So having just something just some sort of like concrete behind myself felt m- gave me more confidence. Mm. Yeah, totally. Because cool. yeah, I've sent a few out where I didn't have that, and you 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 kind of do feel a little like, oh dang. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's just hope they didn't. There's there's something in there that you know, like, and if, and I I have had a few where they do read it like a fine tooth comb, and they're like, we have a few questions regarding boom boom boom, and so yeah, yep. you want to not only have it correct, but you want to be knowledgeable of it. You want to have someone yeah. explain it to me in in a, maybe some <laughs> more of my terminology. <laughs> that's not, a really you know, good point, actually. We're yeah, not and that's something that can be really beneficial you got to know what's in it okay? know it yeah because i've had yep. that too where people have asked like you have this section what happens if blah 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 and it's like oh i don't even know what that means yeah <laughs> you know what i, I mean? know but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh and so do you like do you format your um because i know you've talked about making every touch point like just like as awesome as possible and like yeah uh and i've talked to nick before about this like trying to make your contracts as friendly and, and as like user friendly as possible like do mm. you have you like designed your contract to make it like more of like a experience for like you know like maybe introduce open, open each section with like a plain english like hey friend like this yes. is just let you know yeah. that if this happens this is what's happened but here is the legal terminology or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah, and yeah. Then, here's oh, here's bob my lawyer a, to tell you more <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's a big one and definitely something i do and and oftentimes if I'm sending a contract, it's because we already sort of defined the whole scope in the project. And so it's usually not just fine print. It's like the entire what to expect. Here's what we're going to achieve, how to achieve it, yada, yada, the time, the budget. Everything's in there in my own words. Um, and it's also got like it's branded towards my own brand and it looks the part. And then a few pages in there will be and I call it just like the fine print. And that's where like really the contract sits. But the entire thing is the scope. And the contract mm-hmm. is just a couple pages in maybe a 10 to 15 page document, maybe not that long, but, and then the last page they sign. So it isn't just, yes, yeah, sending over a contract because that can be pretty aggressive and intimidating mm-hmm. for a lot of new, you know, clients starting off. Oh, I yeah. do want to set the tone of like, yeah, walk them through it in my voice. Yeah, exactly. Walking through the whole thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Jordan also um, does a books on tape. He does an audio version of his contract. You know my contract. <laughs> <laughs> it's on iTunes if you want to listen to it. That's guys. so funny. <laughs> uh, I want to see like uh, like those cheesy old commercials, like a glamour it's this, commercial. It's got like this really cool stars. Yeah, soft like jazz video. in the background. Yeah. Hey, I'm Jordan, and let me tell you about yes. my contract. After hours oh. with Jordan. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we're gonna have to make a graphic for that. So <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, cool, man. So I don't, we're 
at an hour mark considering maybe edits and stuff i, I do have a couple more questions it wouldn't be too long or i don't know where you want to let's do do quick fire or okay. rapid fire well, they're not quick fire but <laughs> okay. yeah they're just maybe i just love rapid, rapid fire questions yeah, <laughs> rapid fire. okay all right um okay so yeah i guess i'll jump jump around a little bit again here um i'm gonna head back to episode one with pros versus cons and uh and i think this specific one is on like getting paid um mm-hmm. you know and um so <laughs> You can't, you can't always get, you always can't like control getting paid in full on time or maybe not at all. Hopefully that's never the case, but, um, what ways have you found to like help out with this? Like getting, getting paid, uh, in any fashion and try to like reduce the risk of like that happening. If you getting burned or if someone like paying you like just way crazy late, um, you know, I know like for myself, I started collecting like down payments, like as a must for first clients, yep. um, you know, or I know you can like, you can like bill clients based on milestones. Just kind of curious to hear your perspective on, you know, setting, setting yourself up to avoid losing money or being paid late in that kind of sense. Yeah. I mean, I think this ties right back into the contract for me. I don't, I always break the payment up at least half up front, half on deliverables. And if the I have a little clause in that if the project terminates, then um, then it's non-refundable that first half. Mm-hmm. And so that that to me is like, you know, I, that is I think crucial. And if it's like a big payment and the client client like has issues, like then I'll break it up maybe into quarters. And this will be like especially, you know, all stages in the brand process too, where it's like all right, stage one is going to be like defining your like pillars and and whatever. And so then after that, I get paid. And then stage two is going to be design exploration. After that, I get paid. You know what I mean? So. It's definitely, I don't, at this point, I definitely don't take final payment at the end. Um, Circumstances, I mean, that might, if it's like not, you know, a big budget maybe, or if the client's like pretty small or if it's a friend or favor. But nowadays, yeah, I I definitely take down payment for sure. Because I I definitely have been burned, you know. Oh, yeah. And it really takes like one or two times where like, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> this is one of those fa- like topics for me that unfortunately I feel like I've had to dumb down my communication to, to particularly new clients. And I do this so much now because it just seems to be, I know a lot of designers, regardless of size, scope, uh, experience are all dealing with this and it's you could try as much as you can. You do all these other things, but it's the late payment. It's the payment, not paying to your net terms that is driving me absolutely crazy. And what I've learned is don't just put it in contract and get them to sign it and then start a project and just hope and pray they're going to play, they're going to pay on time. I talk them through that page specifically and say, look, like we're doing even with a 50% deposit down, we're still doing a ton of work with the hopes that you're going to pay, you know, on time. And yeah. I'm still giving you 10 days. Like that's still, even though a lot of people go, oh, 10 days, that's, and I'm like, that's still a lot. If you have deliverables <laughs> yeah. in your hand and you're, you're thinking of using them and going out there and, and printing or whatever, uh, guess what? I need to get paid. Well, so, And that's why I don't send them also the, the copyright transfer until yes. I get that final payment. So like they don't own it until Correct. I send them that. And, and yeah, so that, that definitely comes last. Like they'll, yeah. once I get paid full, I'll send them that over. So apparently you got to be a bit of the police here. You really do, man. You're like, there's laws and you have to stick by them and you got to yeah. tell them 
and explain it to them in communication, not just hope that they read that line and whatever. Because a lot of times it might, <laughs> the person on the other end might be the person writing the check. It might be going to an accounts payable. It might be going yeah. to a holdings company of a bigger company. No two are alike when it comes to this for my client list, right? Yeah. All different. So I just want to make sure whoever my contact is, they are well aware of what, and they have to be a champion for that in their world because I've been on that other side of it. And when I had a freelancer that would call and say, you know, it was due today, I didn't get it. I'm marching down to accounts payable and finding out immediately. And I want them to do the same for me. Um, obviously, that comes with you providing great work and great service. They'll fight for you. But unfortunately, this is one of those things, man. I, I don't know. Someone's got to figure out a, a much. <laughs> there's got to be a yeah. bit better solution in a way here. Um, so again, uh, when my invoice goes out in the biggest bold print, it says exactly what the date is that this is due by, and that auto um, it automatically uh, puts late fees in if it is one second late when it comes to the due date, and that I they they know that from the very beginning as well. And my late change charges, unfortunately, are a lot because I don't want to get stuck with this anymore. Yeah, got got re yeah. I got really burned with that. I hate it. I'm dealing with it today. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Late payment is something that mm -hmm. I have found. It's a constant battle. I haven't really, I mean, like there are certain clients that are better with it, but man, it's, it's an everyday thing for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and, so and also I was going to say if it accounts payable people, their goal is to stretch out as far as possible exactly. to pay, yeah. to pay vendors and stuff. So yeah, don't, even get yourself started in that situation. Tell them up front what, how important this yeah. is, and and if that's if that's part of the are we a good fit conversation, you know what yeah. I mean. So I even found that even with larger clients, especially when you have an accounts payable section, like it does end up being later than a lot of like, these like smaller to medium. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I thought it would be better, and that's one thing that it kind of flipped on me. Like it takes I have me a, longer to get paid. I uh, the last one I agreed to, and this hurts, but it's it's a big client, sixty day terms. Yeah, it's been 74 days and still no payment. <sighs> and I'm crazy. sitting here going, and then you can't be an ass to your yeah. guy, your contact, because it's not really him. And it's a whole other office in a whole other state that is dealing yep. with accounts payable. So um, goes with the territory, man. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Welcome, yeah. welcome to freelance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious. Um, I obviously different each business might be different especially like you're talking about Nick like if it's a large enough organization or a large enough corporation or business it's, they they might yeah you may not be able to get away with it but I'm curious if either of you tried doing uh you get no deliverables or assets until paid in full have you tried any of that before Yeah I've done that yeah. before Yeah I think we yeah. both talked about that before I yeah. I know I think I know exactly with new ones I'm going to be a sticker on that 100% and they until payment they don't get the final. It's like again, I hate being that way, but with someone new, like I, I'm, I'm going to do that. Everything works that way. You know what I mean? Like, oh my you, god, you buy yeah. it and then you get it. Like, yeah. it's not. Yeah, yeah. that is yeah. the standard for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I don't like, say like, there is a client where, especially if it's going to be like a long term client, there's going to be a lot of work after that, um, and they want to get going with stuff, and I'm not just sending like everything's done at this point. Like if you need this logo, cause you want to start putting it on social media, like, okay, fine. Yeah. yeah but you're yeah. not going to get the, the, again, that copy transfer until that payment. So like you yes, can do what yeah. you want, but you don't own this yet. Yeah. And I yeah. definitely make that clear. Yep. Yeah. Transfer of ownership is crucial. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I've kind of had this experience where, um, 
And I mean, projects are going to be flexible, but, um, you know, I've had clients come to me and they're like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm going to be talking about beer because it's what I do mostly, but they're like, yeah. um, we need, we need labels, we need tap handles, we need sales sheets, we need, um, you know, like, I don't know. They've got, they've got a list of like eight things, whatever. Yeah, coasters, keg colors, all that stuff. Yeah, you sure. got it, right? So then and I'm like stoked. And so I put together this proposal and it's like, here's a proposal for all that stuff, you know? And they're like, and they want to do it. And then they're like, whatever. So you might get to the point where they're like, okay, to start off with a relationship or like, you know, we can like, we can, we can take this down a bit and maybe let's just do the the labels and the tap handle just to start with just so yeah. that way like you don't have to give me a 50 percent down payment for like these eight items or whatever yeah. and once we and once we get to these phases we'll start working on these other items you know which yeah is a way to kind of um it helps both parties i think it can like in that they're not having to give you as much down payment but you're getting paid for your time and help mitigating like that possibility of getting paid late or not getting paid starts the yep. relationship but and that number is, can be pretty daunting, right? If you're going right. to all nine of those plus a logo, like that could be a big number. Yeah. yeah. Could, might intimidating yeah. off and just kind of look elsewhere. Right. So that's smart. But, then, but on your end too, then it becomes you, you're juggling eight invoices rather than one. So keep <laughs> yeah. in mind right. your paperwork and your admin's going to skyrocket there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and right. So, and then you can break it down into phases and you'd be like, well, you know what? You don't really need the coaster yet because you're going to need the label first, you know, and then mm-hmm. you're yep. going to need a tap handle first because you're going to start doing distribution now to like, you know, tap, tap, totally. tap houses. But then, um, so the one thing I've found, which has been, you know, kind of a bummer about taking that approach is that um, things shift a lot. And I've, I've done that whole proposal. <laughs> I've had all these items and I'm like so pumped. And then by the time we get like the third item done, they're like, you know, we really don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, you oh, know? shit, yeah. So it's it's <laughs> it's kind of a two-edged sword. It's like, well, you're getting less of a down payment because you're maybe only going to do like two projects to start. But then I'm always just like, man, should I just done all of it like the beginning? Because then like you're kind of locking in that business as opposed to like them like changing their mind because they've had enough time to sit on it and be like, you know what? Actually, maybe we don't really need that or whatever. You yeah. Know? So I would say that's an opportunity. Look, in in that circumstance... If I want to work with them, you know, if I want to retain and continue on, because I can't imagine like a brewery's not going to need stuff down the road, but maybe right, right then they will. So that's kind of stuff where I might talk them out of all the stuff up front and focus on. I mean, it depends on their budget, right? If they're worrying about money, like I want them to trust me. And so I, I definitely want to give them the best advice I can. It's like if you're worrying about money, like you don't need these things as you open. Yeah, but we mm-hmm. will need them down the right. And here's prioritize why. a lot but, more. Yeah. yeah. But if they grow soft on them, like, I guess that's a missed op- opportunity. But I think if you do it in a way where, like, they trust you, yeah. then it, they're going to need them at some point. Totally. And having yeah. them on board, you know, if you, you know, retain them, there's so much more value than just, I think, you know, getting it. And maybe they realize, like, man, we spent way too much money and this isn't moving. Like, and you you might lose that trust. Then that could, like, really sink that ship. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good point, too, because it's uh, going back to, like, building yourself as, like, the expert in the very beginning, you know? It's totally. Like, you're like, you're like, guess what, man? Like, yeah, you're starting up or wherever stage you're in, you you really don't need to do this all at once. Like, yeah, let's break this down and, like, you're going to need this first. And, you know, guess yeah. what? In, in three months, you're, I know you're going to need this. And so we'll tackle yeah. that once that comes mm-hmm. up. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the best way to do it, right? Because you're helping them define that go-to-mark strategy anyway. And especially, yeah. like if they're comfortable showing numbers, which I would hope that would be the case. 
at least to an extent, like you can really like, okay, here's the best way to put this. That's going to help you, you know, achieve this strategy that we're laying out now. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we'll set a timeline for this stuff later on. Once you land this, this, and this, like helping them define, cause look, a lot of these, especially breweries, like they're either home brewers or people that just got out of school. Like they don't really know. None of them are necessarily business owners. Right. And oh, they are, but they're not. And so like, it, it is your job to take that experience and really help shape that process. And, and how to go to market and strategy mm-hmm. and what they're going to need. And so this is a great opportunity to really let them know and kind of take that, take that baton and, and, and take charge in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. All right. So down to my last question. Um, and this is going, I believe, back to episode five uh, with clients. And so you were talking about the idea of um, – like following and interacting with businesses you want to work with on social media. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great idea. Uh, so, but I was kind of curious because I, the agency I worked at did a lot of social media management for companies. Um, cool. And I know, I mean, I've interviewed people on my podcast that work at breweries that are social media managers or marketing managers, and they're the ones doing it. Um, so I'm kind of curious if you have much of experience, but like, cause you say you're interacting with this social media account that you hope to work with. Like you yeah. have no idea who's the person behind that firewall. Like they could be just some like farmed out social media, like agency. Yeah. And so you're just kind of talking, I want to say like to deaf ears, but you're not talking to the right decision maker at that company. Um, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. So I mean like getting on the radar of that decision maker, it's like super important. Um, so I'm curious, like if you have any thoughts or experiences like with that, like, interacting with these brands and, and, um, or these, these businesses and what kind of outcomes and just your thoughts on that in general, you know, like, cause you, you could be just talking to the marketing manager may not be the decision maker as far as when it comes to like, Oh, we need a rebrand or whatever. Yeah. Or like you Here's, said, a, a outsourced social person that's not even yeah, working for exactly. the company. That's the worst. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking at an empty room sort of at that point. Um, and, and this comes from, yeah, I have done a lot of this when I first started and I don't necessarily do it now, but um, I, I, it wasn't just like I would find a cool brand around locally and, and follow them. It was, you do a little research. Um, yeah. And also, you know, even the people that run that social media, I think at least for small businesses. And again, we're kind of talking about small businesses. So most of them aren't really have, they don't have the budget to hire. Exactly. Out. Like when I'm starting off, I'm not going after some major companies, but um, usually it's someone internal or if they do have a budget to hire someone on the marketing or just to do the social media, uh, they could be a really great reference, right? Cause if like, and I'm looking at breweries cause a, a lot of that started with that or even like local coffee shops around Portland here. Like I found that anyone who was doing the social media was kind of had a voice in, in, in the brand and the logos and the things that I, they needed a designer for. Um, and so that was kind of, I, I did find those kind of people really actually helped, um, versus just someone, you know, just an owner who had an iPhone that didn't really pay attention. Social <laughs> media people usually have a good grasp on good design, what works in terms of marketability, all that stuff. So I think that can actually work in favors depending though. And this is just one facet to really, uh, uh, sort of work this in topic talking about. St- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Cause they're plugged yeah. in somehow and they're going to be. They're better than no connection at all to that company, which is mm-hmm. one thing. Um, and then in a lot of cases, too, um, I think most places are being – there. it is sometimes the owner. It is sometimes that struggling business person that's going, I don't have the money to pay that. But now, will yeah. that be a good client in the long run? Maybe not. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think a, a good way to um, maybe 
draw kind of a line down the middle of this topic is that's all Instagram and, and maybe even Twitter, but the LinkedIn side becomes a bigger uh, yeah. discussion because one, you're following companies, people running the companies of maybe who you, could be a potential client there are truly incorporated into the company and part of the company, maybe in their marketing team. So again, the, it's a, maybe a different conversation there because of the connection might be a little bit more real and it's so much more business uh, and mm. networking based, right? So yeah. where I found good success was that when people that were either following me or found me through friends of friends or colleagues of colleagues made the connection because what I was posting on there was always great case studies. It wasn't just a pretty picture on Instagram. It allowed you to post a PDF or post a multi-page slide thing or something that allowed you to be a little more uh, descriptive with what you did and throw in the benefits and what you did for that client. And now the, that person saw it over and over again as I was posting and they made the connection finally when they needed someone, they thought of me. So yeah, it kind of is a different animal on those different things. So I think it's, you've got nothing to lose with them, right? They're all free. It's time and dedication of what you put in there. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say um, on the Instagram and Twitter side that you might be talking to deaf ears because I think, I think those people can do something for you. And I've seen that happen sometimes, you know? Yeah. yeah. But it is good to do a little homework or your best judgment, like, you know, especially if like the photos and content they're putting in is of the people yeah. in the brewery behind in the kitchen, like yeah. odds are it'll be someone there. Yeah, um, if it's more generic, you know, like stock imagery, yeah. like, well, then, yeah, it's probably hired out for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah. There's some certain accounts I can totally tell they just hired an agency because it's so canned. It's just not very personal. Yeah. Um, but and there's yeah, also I mean, just like even more tricks. Like if we're talking about that specific subject, like maybe it's in th and a good tool that I use is like maybe I'll go into that facility and I'll like take a picture of myself. And I did this designing <laughs> something cool on my oh, computer yeah. in that coffee shop and I tag them. And like, oh. whoa, that looks great, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, those kind yeah. of little things. Oh, this little thing I, can't, I just yeah, did. Oh, this, this whole thing? <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I have had a couple successions with it, that sort of uh, uh, yeah. uh, approach where it's like, I just tag them in it. Or even just recently with my photography, I tag the people who make the lights and I got a job offer. Like, wow. just a project offer, right? So, like, oh. social media, again, the whole part of that was like, when you're it just felt like it was like this you know circle jerk of designers showing and telling their own design work to other designers yeah and there is value in that in terms of networking but like or the community but i just wanted to take a step on like you know you can use social media to actually like get jobs because mm -hmm. more often than not these designers aren't going to hire you exactly especially when you're all starting off yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i, I totally my approach is, uh, and I to talk to your point, I, uh, Jordan. I think goes, yeah, I was getting, I'm getting ready to start hitting some pavement, and like I'm gonna go set Hell up, yeah. I'm gonna go set up shop like in some places with my computer, and just to like, because I think you can start conversations. I think especially if you get into a business like earlier in their workday when they're not like the right people are there, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you could be like, they're like, oh, what are you doing? Or, like, what are you working on? Because like, yeah, I've seen, I've seen like illustrators and artists and stuff like that that are working inside of like a brewery or coffee shop, and like the people are like, Oh man, that's dope. What are you doing? Or whatever, yeah. you know? Um, totally. But again, I think to the, to the point of this talking about social media is that, uh, I definitely, I, I try to like, without getting too creepy or whatever, like, you know, try to go around and find like, Oh, who's the marketing manager for that company or who try to find the owner and see if they have oh, an yeah, man. and follow yeah. that. Because most of those people are posting about their jobs a lot anyway. Cause if they're in a certain industry, like specifically brewing and especially like they're, 
they're in that industry and they and they work yep. for that company so they're always posting stuff about that so if you can start interacting with those folks and you're getting on their radar um you know what i think i think i'm always looking <laughs> when i follow somebody and they work at a brewery like a lot of times they'll like post some cool like behind the scenes pics and like i always like tap on that photo to see if they tagged everybody so like, <laughs> oh, yeah. you could be like oh, oh yeah. who who do they work? Oh, they work for, oh, oh, damn, that's the marketing manager. What's up? Like, follow you, whatever. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> private. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When yeah. I think that's where, like, you know, we, we're we going to do an episode about LinkedIn, and I know we also talk about it a lot, but that is, seems to be the best of circumstance of, like, well, you know all those people. Like, they're all, like, oh, that is the marketing manager for this company that I was curious about because it says. It's based on title. You know, it's based on title, yeah, exactly. right? Like that's the whole. Because I do the same thing, Ryan, where it's like, great. if there's something cool, like, or if it's a great brand important, like who is doing your work? What agency yeah. is doing it? I got to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. Nice. Um, awesome, man. Well, yeah, man. This has been fun. I think that was all I all I had, man. Um, man, I, did I, need, all... I don't know about you guys, but I need a beer <laughs> after yeah, that. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Yeah, man. Fantastic questions, Thanks. man. Yeah, thank you, man. I dig what you're doing, and uh, thanks for having me on. Because I think, like, um, you know, I think we're comrades and like friends in design and stuff like that. But there's so much stuff that, like, I mean, even your first course that I was listening to, and it's always just like, oh man, I gotta ask them this question or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, or just, you know. And so, so this is cool to do. Get on on this one, and uh, I think again, like, I think I was a unique case, and I think a, a good example for someone to do the Q and A. So, um, totally. Thanks. Yeah, Absolutely. It. Yeah, it's our pleasure well, to have everyone. You on, should uh, check out Ryan uh, and his podcast, and also your awesome website and services. If you're looking for some beer stuff, craftbrewcreative.com. Thank you. And uh, yeah, man. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, check out yeah Branding Brews uh, is a podcast I do. If you're interested in beer design, yeah. beer branding, uh, brandingbrews.com, or any of your you know your typical podcast spots. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a blast. I think. Thanks again, guys. Oh man, this has been great. All right. Well, there's another course in the books. (laughs) All right. right. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. We will talk to you all soon. And um, thanks for listening. Bye. Yes, that does it for the entire creative course. Number two, everything about freelance, but we have a bonus episode for you right after this. So be sure to listen right after this. Episode seven is a great interview with our friend, John Contino. It's kind of a bonus episode. We talk a lot about his travels through freelance and agency work in the beginning of his career. So don't miss it. It's up next episode seven. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you soon.